0: It's like they have they have gun nipples in their toe spikes. Yeah, okay. Gun
1: nipples in their toe spikes. Nice. All
0: right. All right, Klingons. I see you.
1: Captain's Pod Stardate 80.55.23.3. 23.3, welcome aboard to Starships Enterprise and thank you for joining us as we take a brief short leave from the world of CinemaSins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I'm your Captain Ian Whittington, and with me as always, she can make a deadly weapon from her belt, shoes and decorative braces, it's Ambassador Dene.
0: Hello! I can what? Uh huh,
1: you can make a deadly weapon out of the things currently on your person. Yes, you are wearing decorative braces. Oh bracers not braces okay because
0: those are different
1: those are different very different yeah
0: there's bracers braces bracelets i wasn't quite sure
1: and braziers 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 so, <laughs> braziers
0: so i have shoes bracers and what else
1: mm-hmm. um i think i said belt hang on let me get my intro- let me get my notes back up
0: you get rid of them so fast
1: belt shoes that i am like i am at the minute, I don't have multi-screens. I have one laptop that I'm going backwards and forwards from. So yeah, it's it's belt shoes and decorative braces.
0: And that's how I can kill them. And you can make somebody? a deadly
1: weapon. Oh, yeah. yeah that's how sure. you're going to kill yeah. them.
0: All I really need is this finger.
1: And a look. Sometimes it's just a look.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's just
1: a look. Well, welcome back to Season 8 of Captain's Pod, where we will continue to dive in to some episodes of TNG. And by request... The ambassador's request, we're going to be doing a Worf episode, so you get some worf goodness. Now, we kind of noodled maybe going into a bit of Deep Space Nine, but ultimately, I thought the best place to start is kind of at the beginning, with the first ever Worf-centric episode. This is the first episode that was kind of dedicated to Worf and Klingons in TNG. And it is Season 1, Episode 20, Heart of Glory.
0: I think that's a great place to start, especially because it's a bit like a bookend. We just saw what Worf looks like as this aged Mm. pacifist warrior with this snarky relationship with his friends. Although I don't know that he's snarky as much as the Klingon banter (laughs) is, you know, just sort of... Does he
1: realize he's being snarky or is it just him?
0: So, um, like what he has evolved into and then, you know, resurged as in this series so then to kind of go all the way back to the beginning, maybe not like his first time on screen, but the first time that the writers decided to explore his story a little more for the audience, I think that's a really great place to start. But I was excited about some Deep Space Nine. So maybe, don't everybody just take a deep breath. <sighs> maybe I'll just watch in my free time, you know?
1: Free time? What's that? <laughs> what is that? So, we, we definitely will be doing some Deep Space Nine, without a doubt. And there were some awesome episode suggestions, like Way of the Warrior. Um, you have been cordially invited. Looking for Pach Mach in all the wrong places. Um, tons of great Wharf Deep Space Nine suggestions. But, this is... It's really the perfect time to go back to the very, very beginnings instead of going and getting very, very deep into DS9. So maybe next week we'll do some DS9 stuff. But the task that they kind of had with this episode was to reinvent and reintroduce the Klingons from the slightly problematic bad guy of TOS where the makeup, there was some like brown face and black face involved. They had some problematic kind of origins and just reinventing this really cool, iconic bad guy and using Worf as a bit of a vessel to do it as well. So I'm really excited to get your, your views on that as well and see how much of like Klingon stuff seems familiar to you and just seeing the origins of it. I think that's going to be really fun.
0: I hope to not disappoint, but as always, I am terrified of pissing off any fans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think you piss off any fans. I think I probably do by picking the wrong episodes. Uh, but let's have one big prediction for the episode and then one oddly specific prediction for heart um, of glory
0: big prediction Worf talks about battle Sp- specific uh-huh. prediction Worf says some <sighs> he says i do not understand that's a specific quote
1: mm, i like it i can't answer that right now i can't remember i love it okay with that let's head over to the holodeck to watch the episode and we'll see you all in 10 forward two to be out. Welcome to Ten Forward, the part of the show where we grab a drink from the replicator and share our immediate thoughts and feelings on the episode we just watched. Most important question first, what is your beverage of choice?
0: Mm. I would like apple juice from the farming colony on Galt.
1: Galt, nice. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice. Yes, I
0: hear it's uh, spicy, you know. Mm -hmm. It's uh, intense and it gets in your
1: blood. Slightly Russian as well, because Wolf's parents are Russian. So there's just like a little bit of extra spice in there. Vodka? Yeah, it's right. just vodka in your apple juice. Yeah, it, that's what it is. Yeah. I'd like vodka uh,
0: apple juice, please. A.K.A. just a martini. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, no, that's it. You want an tini?
0: Mm-hmm, I want an
1: famous for drinking appletinis. But I want, it, drink I want it in choice. like a
0: big horn glass yeah. that has like some smoke coming out of the top. So it looks yes. really badass, but in actuality, it's super lame.
1: It's really, really sweet. My, they do that a lot. They'll just like, to make a drink look alien, they'll just have smoke pouring out of it. Um, I want one of those like crab claws that the Klingons replicated as soon as they walked into their quarters. We're like,
0: food, buffet, now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they had they had a full-on snack bar.
1: Yeah, and like some tea of some sort, which was yummy. Well, hey, that was the first episode with a kind of wolf taking the lead. Give us a synopsis.
0: Yeah, so in this episode, uh our crew is kind of called into this territory that could have bad guys of like different kinds of bad guys. And they're think they on a rescue mission. Yeah. The neutral zone. And they end up thinking that they've rescued a a few Klingons, but it turns out the Klingons actually are trying to become like warrior esque again and get out of this whole peaceful treaty thing. And uh, so they, they are escapees and they're like, they're a, criminals and they encounter wharf uh who is able to connect with him on some sort of deep and meaningful level Mm,
1: genetic Uh, level
0: yeah there's a part of his race makeup that includes just this call to war and this almost i don't know poetic approach to Mm, existence isn't it he really vibes with these guys at the same time, never wavers with his devotion to Starfleet. And when the Klingons come to get the criminals, uh, I think the show wants us to believe that there's a chance that Worf will join them, but that's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. The quote unquote bad guy Klingons fight their way to their death so that they can have their warrior death. And Worf firmly plants himself onto the bridge of the ship and that is this episode.
1: Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. So that was great. That was a very sensible synopsis. I'm disappointed. So overall, what did you think of the episode? Did you like it? How was it did it get your wharf buzz going? How did you how did it hit you?
0: I think I have to remember that probably at this time uh, for Star Trek, the Klingon race is a race that's been explored as being the bad guys, right? Mm, the so villains for sure. Hundred percent. Kind of also not just Worf's backstory and us trying to resonate with him as a character, but is this also the f- franchise's attempt at humanizing the Klingons a little bit too?
1: <laughs> interesting. I don't know. If interesting phrasing. Is the right word. I don't uh-huh, know. Like, uh-huh. we
0: say humanize, but humans are awful. So um, yeah,
1: you accidentally quoted the Undiscovered Country. Um, <laughs> no. Because uh, we've mentioned this on the pod before, they're having dinner with the Klingons and Dr. McCoy is like, they're talking about how they want to live their lives and Dr. McCoy yeah. is like, where's your humanity? And they're just like, you dicks, we're Klingons. Dicks, we don't yeah. have any humanity. Um, but you're right, it is this overlay that Starfleet in particular...
0: um relate just, to, just make them relatable, yeah, relatable
1: and make them give them some extra depth and and character and they're not just the one note bad guys because in tos it was just oh shit the klingons are here they're gonna make slaves out of everybody literally or they're going to murder everyone it's one of the two it was very rare that they ever teamed up
0: so is this then they also one of the first or if not the first attempt at giving us more of their yep. it really is
1: very much. This is the first attempt to give us more, like, kind of this is so TNG. Probably one of the best things TNG did was flesh out the Klingons and give us their backstory, their homeworld, their culture, the politics. Everything we know and think about Klingons came from TNG, and it starts with this episode. And um, Ronald D. Moore is really the person that kicked it off um, a couple of seasons from now, and he was kind of the Klingon guy. He was like, "You're okay. gonna, you were gonna." Sp- get into the nitty-gritty and write the Klingon Bible, essentially. But this is the first step. This is the first step of they have their own culture. It's going to be different to ours. Here's what it is. And there's this truce between the Klingons and the Federation that's been around for, I Long think, enough. 80 years now. Mm-hmm. So they're at peace. And we don't have to worry about them being the bad guy. And here's here's who they are. It's one of my favorite things. I love it.
0: I th- I feel like... As time goes on and as TOS, sorry, TNG goes on, that the cadence of information about Worf's history and Klingons, mm. um, not even Worf's history from childhood, Worf's approach, his philosophy uh, and how that overlays with Klingon philosophy and is both the same and different at the same time. Like his approach is a warrior's approach, like he mentions in this episode from the inside out. So... I feel like as the show goes on, I have. It it seems like this was a very casual beginning of the conversation. Like it was as if watching just people talk. Whereas when the Klingons are in other content that I don't remember exactly, but Mm -hmm. it felt way more intense.
1: Way more antagonistic as well.
0: Yeah. So this approach, like in bringing the conversations between the criminals and Worf, felt really casual um yeah. I don't want to use the same words over and over again but that's the best way to describe it it was
1: It feels like he was hanging out with buddies that he hasn't seen in a few years.
0: Alarmingly normal rather yeah. than this intensity that I feel like I was expecting so I don't know if that's because uh-huh. this was the first go at it and then they amp up some of the intensity and details about their warrior life later as the details of the Klingon race are kind of fleshed out and explored which is fine but I kind of think I expected something a little bit more fiery. Y- yeah.
1: Especially with like the tension at the very beginning when Wolf is like his, <laughs> his butt puckers. Um...
0: You stole my line!
1: <laughs> shall, shall we redo it so you can say it?
0: No, 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 no. I think everyone who listens to this show knows that you steal Chats' lines all the time, and now yep. they know that you steal mine too. Yes, we watched a particular part, and when the. landing party or the search party uh the rescue party that was on the barge first says it's Klingons and it zooms in on Worf like I said we just watched Worf's butt pucker and we we both laughed
1: (laughs) because we saw like his ridges like you can always see his ridges puckering as well Mm -hmm. and then it's just a super casual like conversation after tea so I've, I've I've seen this episode many many times and I love this episode I think it's a really really great one um I've seen it so many times and I did struggle to reconcile that as well. Like Worf, considering he's somebody that hasn't been around Klingons, in his own words, hardly at all for his entire life, he's super chill and confident with them. And over time, I've wondered if that's just a Klingon thing. If like he's deliberately trying to keep his shit together and just like, play it cool, play it cool. Don't show that you're nervous. (laughs) Yeah, or just naturally, it's part of It It's like, yeah, these are new new people to me, but like, I'm going to keep my shit together.
0: The idea that the Klingon race just lacks fear.
1: Yeah, and they, they don't look at death the same way that we do.
0: Yeah, and his approach to every scenario is, I'm not afraid, I'm going to deal with this, and I'm either going to die or I'm not going to die. And whether that's a I hope dinner it's a party death. or, yeah, if it's a dinner party or a war, they don't care which one it is. Um, as long as it, it suits their thread of truth for them. And like Worf is an individual. And then there's like this, the group of Klingons. So I was confused to your point also, that if this is Worf's first time really interacting with his race,
2: mm-hmm. he seemed
0: to already have quite a lot of knowledge. <laughs> and so it, it made me wonder if more comes out later, because we kind of skipped over like Worf's, Story is essentially before his, the age of inclusion, which was apparently mm-hmm. very young. He was rescued by a human and raised in a farming colony, um, along with like a another foster brother, uh, and then eventually joined Starfleet. Mm-hmm. So there is this part from Starfleet until now that maybe there's more that happens where he warf like learns more about Klingons and has a deeper understanding of what makes him him. Uh but there's like this moment where the criminal guys are talking to him and almost like calling out what's in his soul. Like mm-hmm. he, they didn't understand the call of the uh the the hunter and and they're like the, kind of like getting into his psyche Super and poetic, into his yeah. blood and Wharf is standing there just being read like a book and it was pretty intense and I kept thinking He's just keeping up with these guys so well. He's mm-hmm. he's not confused. He's like able to just immediately turn around and kind of have his own response, very klingon, his own klingon way. So it's wild to think about how much could be genetic rather than circumstantial based on how he was raised because you would think he'd be pretty human, but he's a pretty klingon human. Like he's a pretty well, it's klingon that-
1: guy that nature versus nurture thing isn't it so it's very clearly that there is a lot of nature in Klingons where their brains are just wired to have this hunter instinct and to have this kind of bloodlust thing for for battle and for glory and and whatever um it is a little bit inconsistent um and I forgive them this because this is back in the day where they didn't realize they were probably going to have a 35 year legacy with this character but Especially in later seasons, like seasons three, four, five onwards, Worf is like super into his Klingon culture. Yeah, that's he what knows I remember. So much. And he's teaching Alexander. And when right. he's on Deep Space Nine, he acts as if he's been around Klingons his whole life. And I always wanted him to act a little bit more human. And I I think it's implied that his parents encouraged him to to learn a lot about the Klingon race. And I think he did spend some time. On the Klingon homeworld, when he was younger, but not very much at all. So when he yeah, says hardly he any time, it, that could still be a year, because I guess a year is still hardly any time compared to thirty years.
0: Right, and also he knows his like house because later on he's like, "I'm Worf, son of," mm. and he kind of goes through his lineage as well. And I don't know if it's his son of his colony. His uh, did he say? Is he re- when he does that? Is he saying that? Because of his Klingon house, or is he calling out his human father?
1: So the son of Moog thing, that's his father-father, his Klingon father. The house of Martok is a house that adopts him during Deep Space Nine. So uh, Klingon general adopts him because he doesn't technically have a house. Um, And then his parents are the Rashenkos. So I can't remember if he, I think he mentions them, but he very much, when he's listing his names, it's all the Klingon stuff. So he's very much in that, which I did always think was strange considering most of his life is among humans.
0: I wonder if, and I'm sure there is, fandom or officials who have done this character study on Worf and have written in such a way where the things we see on TNG, Deep Space Nine, Mm. et cetera, have more backstory. This is the perfect example of a character that I would read more about to understand mm. how Worf got to this point where during this episode, it, it just if this is his first time to meet other Klingons, I would just uh-huh. have expected there to be, I don't know, maybe it's perfect a bigger as deal. is. I don't know. Cause
1: it should be a bigger deal, yeah.
0: Well, but but may, but that's the human in me going, wouldn't there be more emotion? And that's, that's racist.
1: Yeah, it's true. You like- know,
0: because- it could, We're he's judging a different him race. by human
1: standards. Yeah.
0: And I guess this episode didn't really teach me a lot about that part of them, but it did do a really great job, I think, of sprinkling in some of their uh, rites, rituals, like mentality, the things that are designed inside of them, but then also things that are based on who you are. Like there's a whole peaceful Klingon group that if has found a way to have peace with. You know the Federation or whatever, and then you've got rogue guys that still have a thread of the same thing. And Worf yeah. himself, who's like, you gotta let them die a warrior's death, guys. It's like, okay, that really still matters to Worf. Somehow, that's an important part of what he believes. It's a yeah. belief system for him.
1: The these threads that carry on through all of the other Klingon episodes come pretty much from this episode. Like it starts. Here, whether it was deliberate or not, whether they knew how much they would be returning to the Klingons in the future, it's still so much of it is based on what Worf says in this episode. Yeah, about dying with honor, having to battle how peace is crippling the Klingons. Um, it's all themes that come back again, which is why I thought it's a good place to start, because so many seeds are picked up in this episode.
0: Yeah, I definitely think this is a good um a good episode to start, you know, to start with. Uh, I think that it does a good job of starting with the crew on what you assume is going to be kind of like a normal search and rescue episode. And then it shifts into Klingon territory. And then this the majority of the episode is spent sort of watching how Worf and the crew and the people on the ship in general respond to this race that's known to be very, you know, warrior-esque. And winks and nods at how dangerous they are in some ways. Um, And I guess racism and others, because if they're supposed to be at peace, there's some people who respond by grabbing their children and, like, (gasps) you know, looking shocked and scared. So after 80 years, there's still people that are, like, not okay with just seeing some Klingons on board.
1: I guess, and I don't, I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think that part is racism so much as this is like a hostile situation and... Clearly, like, I think if anybody picks picked up my kid, if I had one, I would be like, hey, put my kid down.
0: I'm not talking about when he t- t- takes the kid. It's before that, when they first come on the ship and he's being, they don't know that they're criminals yet. When they're walking through the Enterprise, there's a family, there's a mother with a couple of children who oh, grab them and protect oh, them I as they walk that.
1: by. Oh, okay. No, I remember that now. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I guess it's still, even though there's a truce between them, it's not often that you see a Klingon. So yeah, I guess that's no, but true. Yeah, yeah, that but that instinct, you're right, is probably yeah. an, an unfair one. An Get unfair your kids into one- school.
0: But also, it makes sense. I mean, you're you're creating an episode about the big bads of the previous TOS, you know. So I'm trying to really, new to
1: them a little bit as well. Yeah,
0: you're wanting someone that's tuning in who maybe doesn't know them to still have that feeling of the gravity of these characters that are not just Kiss concert goers gone wrong. You know, they're like yeah, exactly. fucking dangerous.
1: They're intense
0: because they really do look like they just got back from a Kiss concert.
1: They they really do. They're they're, they're just they're angry armadillos. Um i really love the beginning of this episode and i miss episodes that kick off like this it's just immediate like there's some there's a battle that's happened in the neutral zone warp nine let's get us there could it be the ferengis is it the romulans what's going on let's go and it's just the pacing of this first like 20 minutes is so so good and it's two episodes in one because you've got like the the getting on board the freighter the escape the climax it blowing up getting them off of the freighter getting them back to the ship and then it's just knee deep into mythology and lore and then the take trying to blow up the ship and the resolution at the end it's just such a such a journey of an episode that for me feels like really well paced did it feel jarring to you or were you were you there for it
0: no i loved it and this is an episode that for me went really fast i didn't realize that the time Uh had passed which is is it always it always feels nice when you're not like where where we going with this. The first mm. part, I did find myself going, I thought this was a wharf episode, <laughs> but the only yeah. reason that I thought that is because we're doing this show. So if I had just picked mm-hmm. this episode, I wouldn't have known that this was a wharf cool. central episode until we get to the, you know, the second like the two the latter 2 thirds of yes. of this particular one. Um, the other interesting thing about the first part of this, that first, I don't know, I'm just going to call the first third, mm-hmm. cuz I'm just saying numbers and stuff right now uh is that we got to see jordy's visor in this really interesting way and uh the i really enjoyed the look the the uh, search through this this interpretation for a few reasons i really felt like the camera work in this one was really delightful to watch uh they play around with the angles really nicely in this episode Um, they do that to build tension, but it was like there was this one moment they kind of get close to the the room that was filled with smoke. The,
1: the engineering the room engine, and it's got the, the bright light and they're like kind of yeah. just their silhouettes are against the white light of the engine room. Yeah, before, I love that shot.
0: Yeah. it's So it, this is a really pretty episode. Before going into that room, there's like a, a kind of a big wall of machinery that they have to kind of circle around before entering into that. Uh, bright room and data and Riker go around one side and Geordi comes around towards the camera. And I'd already had five or six things I wrote down about camera angles at that point, but it just, I don't know. There was like this deliberateness with showing these different angles and staying with particular characters and you're on the move in this uh, ship that needs to be explored. Um, It's the quintessential ship where something has gone wrong. And so tubes are hanging from everywhere. (laughs)
1: The rocks on the ground.
0: Just girders
1: everywhere. Rebar just coming out of walls. I
0: firmly believe now that like our cars, if we're in an accident, deploy airbags. Spaceships deploy tubes. Just upon impact, just poof and then just shit flies out everywhere. Yeah. It looks really cool. Um but yeah, just the way that the camera kinda like followed with Riker and it had this action to it that I don't remember really paying too much attention to and maybe it was because of all the smoke that was filling and I don't know it was just really neat also they did a great job of building tension by dropping us directly into this moment there was no like uh, captain's narration before no. the first commercial break and then at yeah. the commercial break is when picard's log comes in and we kind of hit more into our normal pace of what's going on so yeah. that was also I pretty it. clever
1: it's a really fun opening and it's i can just imagine watching this for the first time and just i'm thinking about strange new worlds and it's like yeah let's go let's get into some action yeah um, and then considering this is a wharf episode they do some really bold like kind of sprinkling so geordie's eyesight is obviously one of them giving us an opportunity to see things how geordie sees and just some really fun quirky moments where is that how you see data it's like yeah he's well, an yeah. android doesn't everybody's got a, a halo a, around he's him? he's got
0: an aura yeah of course
1: it's so fun it's that's just totally normal to him
0: and we also get to do that with data a little bit recognizing that because he's an android he can go into the hotter more intense places and he's calculating danger and so his role in these missions is more firmly becoming this is what we depend on data to give us this is the information we depend on Jordy to give us and so to try to like visually show us the visor and then also give you know uh data something to do in that away mission i don't know what Riker really did except for almost blow everything up by shooting off a phaser but you know
1: this is a classic Riker thing of, shall we hit it with <laughs> phasers? Sir, that will destroy Sir. everything. Sir, please don't no. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite things about TNG is the, the, the makeup of the away missions it, uh, and the away teams are always so thoughtful. Nine times out of 10, the person who has a function is do is serving that function really, really well and doing the thing they're supposed to be doing. And it's just it's a, the, the visual acuity sensor transmitter thing that Geordie has on his visor. I don't know if this was deliberate or not, but we never see it again. They never use that oh, shit. Oh,
0: re- well, it probably, let's think about this, was probably pretty expensive to produce.
1: Yeah, and complicated. I bet it was, especially like at the time. And I was fascinated I by it. Me too. Like all of the colors and just trying to interpret it is so fun.
0: How much Data didn't look like Data and how much Riker yeah. didn't look like Riker. Almost I think as they like were they different had
1: actors. Other
0: pe- yes, and that was so clever were. because- to all of the image is just so different and the you know yeah i'm sure that they would do that very differently n- now this had that um delayed kind of like yeah hazy sort of i don't know what phasing time in and out thing yeah adding in the technicolor uh it was a lot but then at the same time that's what they were trying to convey
1: mm-hmm. and maybe it was done it probably was done way 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 in post-production and maybe they couldn't get Frakes and spina back to film that part. possibly so maybe it is different people and that's why I love that, they look though. so different as well but yeah i love it so much
0: i love the idea that because of all of the information coming in um that they just physically can appear different because maybe when when data turns to look at him the nose shifts in these phases so he'll never look like our data
1: yeah because it's a computer interpreting what is actually what it there is. it's exactly. not actually geordie's eyes Yeah.
0: And it also gives more weight when Jordy has those moments throughout all of TNG where he gets to see things that normally you wouldn't see. For example, problems with the metal because there's going to be a hull breach, or just which these is other really things. fun. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I wonder if it was if it was never intended to be used again. It was just here's a way for the audience to visualize what we're saying when Jordy is saying that he's picking up on right metallurgical anomalies and things like that here's just a thing for the the audience to think about even if we never come to it again um it is revisited in a different episode but in a different way which is really it's it's they kind of do the reverse they keep geordie on the ship and use his visor to pilot a robot and then the the robot is in all of these dangerous situations so that geordie doesn't have to be so that's Mm. that's really another that's an interesting kind of twist on the visor but it's just It's just a fun thing to slip into this episode just as an as an aside almost it has nothing to do with the plot it's just here's how geordie looks this is how geordie looks at things
0: i thought it was clever it it had something for everyone and i just continued to be impressed with the they really understood the writers really understand the importance that each character only has such a short amount of time to deliver to an audience visually audibly and then in their written words what their character is made out of and so mm-hmm. when we do a hyper focus onto a character it obviously amplifies we get to kind of sink into it a little bit more but the beginning of this episode i wouldn't have if not knowing we were going to be focusing on Worf. one of the first moments i have i was like yeah that's so Worf." is when they are scanning and they realize that there was a battle and um Someone says there was a disturbance in the neutral zone, and he goes, A battle. And he was super excited about it. Like, (laughs) yes. Like, let's Let's go. go. Let's fucking go check out the battle. But it wasn't like he was smiling. It's just he was intensely like, I know. He instinctively was like, Yes, a battle. And that's the kind of stuff that writers and actors and the directors. Uh, expertly do in certain environments. And I just, I feel like TNG, Star Trek in general, has kind of consistently been one of those where when a character's on screen, you really learn more about their race, their history, their motivation on these tiny little clues and so to zoom on his face on battle, just the word battle, you're like, this character is all about battle. And then we yeah. get to explore that. And so for them to do that, just a little bit with Geordie, like this character has this visor. We're going to zoom in on that. This character is an android with super strength. We're going to zoom in on that. To have such a short amount of time to do that and to do it well is, I think one of the reasons I just instinctively like this show.
1: Yeah, it's really kind to the audience. It's very, it's cleverly informative without being, here's the character bio of what this person does. It's, It's putting the characters as forward as the adventure of the week, um, which is just a really clever balance. The other thing that they decide to do is to name drop the Romulans. So unless I'm mistaken, this is the first time the Romulans are mentioned in TNG as well. So it's obviously the Romulans and the Ferengi are used as a misdirect so that we don't think it's the Klingons that are going to be there and we get the shocking reveal. But yeah, it's Riker's just like, oh, I, I wish it wasn't the Romulans. This is terrifying. So it's just a little name drop for stuff that happens later in the season as well. So it's, it's just one of the... It's an early example of weaving more of the universe together as well Mm -hmm. and more of when the romulans are mentioned when the romulans turn up in later episodes you already know that there's this tension around it and that they're the big bads
0: i also like that this uh, episode puts picard into the position of discoverer he gets to discover how Jordy operates and he gets to discover something important about worth so We really relate to Picard in this episode in a unique way. He's like a child,
1: isn't he? It's so fun. and Yeah, he's just like the audience.
0: Yeah, it had this... This is is Stuart getting into Picard
1: skin. This (laughs) This could be Patrick Stewart asking the questions as much as it is Picard.
0: And it was delightful to watch because he is so excited to see what Jordy sees and learn (laughs) and explore. And then he is so, um, what's the word? Just, you know, he has this archaeologist sort of vibe, right? Like he Mm -hmm. collects things and he really respects sort of the history of things. It's almost like he knows that what he's seeing Worf do in this episode, how he's interacting, the rituals that he's seeing, that it's something valuable and sacred. He's
1: super privileged to be watching
0: Well, there's a moment when he is reflecting back on the bridge after he initially sees the uh, death cry. It's a the the death ritual, or um, mm-hmm. I don't remember what they call it. Uh, um, after
1: it's the death right, I think I can't remember.
0: Yeah, the Klingon death ritual, um, which Data is saying it's the first time to have a look at the Klingon death ritual, um, and it means you know, like the whole beware dead dead people, a warrior is coming, that kind of a thing. Um, but the way that Picard is talking to the bridge about his own experience being in the room observing it was really, like, I don't know, it was just really interesting to me. It because... is, it's like,
1: gather around, listen, look what I just saw. And it's like, this is why the ship is out there, to discover this new stuff. And it's the the purpose of their mission. So it's, just, it's a really nice detail to include that conversation of, this is what I just saw, this is what they'd be talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that.
0: And then at the very end, to kind of put a an arc to it, when Worf ends up killing the final warrior criminal on board, uh, Picard instinctively has Tasha wait to go and make sure he's dead. Mm. Uh, and here comes Worf, opens up his eyes, and does to the same do thing? ritual again because he knew. But then the camera moves to Picard, who is just fascinated. Yeah. With the expression really nice on camera his face. Yeah, the expression on his face is like, I don't know, everyone can interpret things differently. How I interpreted it though was it was just this deep respect and yeah. intense curiosity, like I'm seeing something that I don't understand but it's so important.
1: And I've seen it twice in one day. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like there's a bit of Picard that I'm like, I bet he wanted to go and join him, like to go right? and do the scream with Worf, so that he's not alone. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a really, really nice touch to put Picard in the position of um, anthropologist, which he is. He's an amateur archaeologist, and just how much this would fascinate him, and why he's a great choice to be a ca- uh, captain in Starfleet, and that's that bit of star trek that i really really miss and why strange new worlds is so incredible because i get that from captain pike i get that from from anson mount and just his wonder of i fucking love this job like we're out here doing some shit i love it
0: there's also fun things that maybe you get to listen to there's some really fun dialogue in this not Obviously, there's a rich there's a rich conversation happening amongst the Klingons because they're speaking in their cadence and they're using these very eloquent Q esque like you know ways of describing. Yeah,
1: super eloquent.
0: It's a very like warrior <laughs> meets Shakespeare vibe, by... which I, I love, love
1: it because it's not the stereotype of well, you're cavemen, like you're just barbarians. You can't be well spoken. Uh, it's one of right. my favorite things about Klingons when they do this. Is to make them very eloquent and singing songs about glory and, and victory, yeah. and not just must hit people.
0: Oh, right, and it's like uh, the the when the um, criminal realizes that Worf isn't going to join him, he's like, "Man, my words were like sand to you." And there's just so there's uh-huh. this episode has stuff that if I was to go back and and pause it and think about what they just said, there is something to ponder. But there's also moments when they just use it and maybe unwittingly gave me something to think about. Um, Mm -hmm. And that also happened at the beginning of the episode when they're exploring and Data's like, there is no distinguishable, less dangerous way to go here. They're all dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, man, um, that's sort of like life right we we kind of <laughs> yeah. s- sometimes like every single thing you do has its own set of dangers you just kind of have to pick a path and mm-hmm. go on fingers it fingers crossed mm-hmm. and that I I've started to write down just some thoughts that I've sort of had in that area because just in my personal life I'm making decisions and choices all the time especially if with a kid where I'm making decisions for her and everything feels so major and I'm like oh, I've got to do mm-hmm. all this research to figure out which way to go it's so it's weird because in this r- very throwaway moment. Mm. I'm like, that's so true, Data. It's so deep. Everything is dangerous. There is no significant difference sometimes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Life is an away mission. <laughs> you Life just gotta, is... <laughs> you gotta move the right tube out of the way and hope it, gets it doesn't fall on you. Trust um, that the people that are going with that. you,
0: one of them is gonna see that fucking fissure, you know?
1: Yeah, someone's gonna tell Riker to not phase the thing that's gonna blow everyone up.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's and, amazing. Then, and then you turn around and there's actual like poetic stuff that. Yeah, I could just eat up because the Klingon conversations are really interesting and so fast paced. Like they just talk yeah. to us like we knew everything already, and I love uh-huh. that.
1: I do love it because it it feels authentic. It feels they're not talking to the camera; they're talking to each other as their people. So when he says the right of uh, the right of inclusion, and we don't know what the right of inclusion is. Full disclosure, Danae, I don't remember it ever getting mentioned again. There's what? the right of us the the right of inclusion. Oh, okay. So there's the really? right of sent there's the right of ascension, which is basically when you stop being a child and become a man. But the right of inclusion or occlusion, I don't remember it coming up again. And I'm sure they've, there's people that have written about it. But yeah. all we know is that the the other Klingon is like, oh, oh that young. That and that's young. all we need to know, is yeah. that Wolf was fucking young when he was rescued by humans. So there's basically nothing Klingon about him. Um, but all, the other thing I love about this episode, and it is probably a little bit confusing is that it isn't antagonistic with Worf. And so the he says, are you mocking me? And eventually the other Klingon is like, I'm not mocking you, I salute you. Like, this is fucking hard. You are, an, yeah, you are that you're was like awesome. a beast that is living among humans that do not understand you and will try to make you humans and you're human and you're dealing with it so well. I love that respect. And the respect of the, the, the Klingon captain that's coming to mm-hmm. uh, arrest the... Uh, feral Klingons he's super respectful as well it's like you were raised by humans and I'm not gonna poo on you I'm not gonna shit on you for that like you're speaking from your heart as a Klingon and I get it I respect it I love that so much it's not this Worf shuns let's feel sorry for him it's just a really interesting angle like respectful angle to take I just one of my favourite things about the episode that I wasn't expecting like knowing what this episode is like knowing it's Worf's first interaction with his people in a long time it
0: makes me want to watch every Warf episode.
1: Hey, I mean, there's plenty of them. And I, there, there's some, am I there's gonna be some... watching
0: Star Trek forever now?
1: <laughs> yeah. This isn't even my favorite Warf episode. There are some like we they get really deep on his backstory, which I freaking love. Probably more so than any other character. I think Warf gets the most backstory fleshed out
0: that makes me happy. And it also makes me happy, like, at the end of the episode when there's an open invitation from the Klingon vessel for Worf to join them because they can see the benefit with him. And everyone just kind of turns and looks at Worf after the communication ends. And I got the impression, my (laughs) interpretation was that they're all just, they've all heard him scream the scream. They Mm. know that this was a really intense experience. There's history with the Klingons.
1: And they're watching
0: this person... And wondering, I wonder how he feels or I wonder what he's thinking. And he's turns around and he's like, I'm I'm good where I'm at in his Wharf way of saying that. And Picard says, we wouldn't be the same without you. And the shot ends with him standing at attention. And I'm Mm. just like, fuck, yeah. And I don't know why. I'm so excited because I fucking love Worf. And this just sort of set him firmly in place and it gave him power over I his did. story and and it kind of feels like michael Dorn standing
1: there at the end <laughs> just like that's yeah. me i got my episode because yes. he's just a series he's a recurring character at the minute he's not a series regular and i think at this point they knew that denise crosby tasha was leaving um so maybe that's why this episode mm. exists i didn't actually dig into that but oh that's interesting i think they maybe knew at this point that Worf was going to be stepping into that security role uh, yeah, and becoming a series sense. regular well
0: what a smart thing to do then to give them yeah. so much of a feeling of protection security a place trusted i mean picard at one point even says wharf can deal with anything that might arise and i oh, really I love loved it. that you know so yeah. this is a, it's this. A, yeah it's a good episode you know for them to to see uh or for them being the audience to see
1: yeah yeah i love it um there's a couple of other little things um <laughs> the poor Tolarians. so it's a Telerian freighter And the Telerians are this race that we do get to meet, but they're often the throwaway species. So, you know how like angels are described in the Bible? It's a similar, if you actually got that picture together, they would be these hideous like amalgamation creations of like Mm -hmm. terrifying descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. The Telerians are the same thing. Sometimes they have two arms, sometimes they have three arms. Sometimes they're the victim of this hideous plague that caused them to go extinct a hundred years ago. Sometimes they're just usual humanoids. They're just like Talarians are the placeholder name when they couldn't think of what species to come up with. So it's really just funny. I had to, I always have to laugh when the Talarians are mentioned because I'm like, well, which Talarians are we talking about? Because there's like 10 different stories about them now. That's always really fun. Um... And I'm just, I don't know if you saw me giggle, but I'm just a sucker for a failing transporter beam as well. (gasps) So when they're trying to get them off of the freighter and the transporter beam fails, I love that. I think I could have an entire episode of the different failing transporter beam noises where it (laughs) kind of goes, and then just like fizzles out and just fades and sounds a bit funky. Um, It gets me every time. And I, I love that tension of seeing the ship explode and then the transporter being dematerializes. It's, yeah. It gets me every time. I'm like, oh, they're dead. Oh, no, transporters uh-huh. exist.
0: Yep. It sure... I mean, it didn't happen that way, but...
1: <laughs> but it's, uh, so, it's so fun. I love it.
0: Something clever that I thought of as Worf is dining with the uh, criminals before knowing that they're criminal.
2: Mm.
0: Um, that gives you a confidence that he is Starfleet through and through, is yeah. that he doesn't dine with them. What did you think about that? Like when it cuts back to them Mm. uh, after the commercial break still on duty he i don't know if it was still on duty or just like i'm not participating in whatever you're doing i don't know who you are yet so i got the vibe that
1: he's like intently observing them and i love that he's kind of got his fingers crossed and like pressed against his nose it's like very (laughs) formal and i don't know i did the more i think about it the more i think it's worth like overplaying his hand like i think inside he is very curious but he doesn't want to show that at all and he wants to be extremely confident and and not leave himself open to attack or hesitancy at all because he you know the klingons will eat him alive if he shows anything other than complete confidence so whether he's really feeling that or not i yeah. love what he presents
0: and it does it, it gives the audience a sense of is he is he not and there's even a moment whenever he's showing them around engineering and the uh, criminals are saying, like, this would make an amazing battleship. Like, mm-hmm. what battles we could have at the helm of this ship. And his response isn't, you know, what should be in the past should stay in the past. He says, perhaps those thoughts mm-hmm. belong very in the past. So he's being really, um, oh, what's the word that I'm thinking of? Locating? Yeah. He- He's just—he's purposefully being neutral enough that he's yeah, saying something. Yeah, he's kind of, of riding the fence. Yeah. Yeah, a political. Like he's being. Yeah, diplomatic. Diplomatic—that's the word. It's—it's it's not that he's mm-hmm. all muscle. He is very intentional about mm. what he's what he's doing, and I don't know. Yeah. Maybe because I know who Worf becomes, mm. this sets me. This is exciting because it's like an origin moment. Yeah. Watching this for the first time, I would wonder if if somebody would have thought like, oh, I wonder." like ha- this is 20 episodes in so we have experience mm-hmm. with wharf before this yeah. moment but i wonder if there would be some people watching going i wonder if in the future
1: you know wharf is going to be tempted to do something mm. different and you would be correct in thinking that it's it's something that gets his loyalties unsurprisingly get revisited and shaken many many times um it's he's such a great fucking character he's so good he's so interesting it is such a it could be the smartest move that TNG made was taking the biggest antagonist of TOS and plopping one of them on the bridge it's such a great move Um, and what
0: a big role to give to someone to bring to life and to try to navigate Mm. and you know we talk a lot about Brent Spiner
1: um, the
0: you know Worf is a fantastic character and seeing him in Picard was the delight of Picard
1: it's he's he is the highlight of Picard he really is I saw a interview with Michael Dorn and they said were you ever worried like 35 years ago that you were going to be typecast as as Worf and he said yep at the time they told me they've asked me this like throughout my career and now I just think what if I'm going to get typecast as something what an incredible thing to be typecast as and so much of what Klingons are uh, are because of Michael Dorn um he just he is that role. He's so freaking good. And he wants to play it for the rest of his life. He just wants to keep doing it. So I, I don't think we've seen the end of Worf. I think there's more of him coming. I hope. I hope so too. Anything else before we move into some sins? Because this episode has some sins. It sure does. Oh, I do love them MacGyvering the weapon together. Oh, yes. Yes. And that's that does my so cold fun. open make sense now, the intro.
0: It's like they have they have gun nipples and their toe spikes. Yeah. Put okay. gun
1: nipples in their toe spikes nice all
0: right all right klingons i see you
1: just the, the belt pieces become the bits that clonk together the tubes i love it so much
0: which is also very kiss-esque if you think about it just
1: yeah all of the like goes through, they all have the
0: toe spikes then you take off a of nipple metal. there. yeah yep.
1: i love that so much then putting that weapon together i'm like you son of a bitch you had a disruptor on you the whole time and it's kind of cool knowing that whenever you look at a Klingon, they have a weapon on their Everywhere. outfit. I love it that
0: they can put together. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so yeah. fun. Yeah, they really do go very easily to be uh, put into like not prison, but like the holding cell. So yeah. you uh-huh. know Except they have we can a plan because yeah. they're like, "Yeah, this is <laughs> you plebeians. We <laughs>
1: yep. no biggie, no biggie."
0: I was surprised, like they get out and we're just killing people, including one yeah. of the Klingons. I was like, oh Things shit. Things getting
1: murdered. Yep.
0: That guy, he didn't have a moment where he got to scream,
1: you know? No. Nope. Fuck that nope. guy.
0: Fuck that guy. I-, I wrote down, this one has no time to be screamed at into the abyss. <laughs> we gotta go.
1: <laughs> this one didn't put up enough of a fight, so he's going to Klingon hell. That's why he doesn't get a scream.
0: It's also interesting to think like, to know that these criminals would prefer to fight their way out because that's an honorable death to their warrior Absolutely. mentality. Their version of yeah. warrior mentality. Uh-huh. So it, it took this small little faction of mm-hmm. Klingons that was breaking away from the peaceful treaty situation and giving them the end that they needed to have, yeah. which was really clever.
1: Well, I think every Klingon pretty much, if you say you could die in an hour and it's guaranteed to be an honorable death, or you can die in 50 years in your sleep, and they will just live their last hour really well. Yeah. It's a fascinating view on, on death.
0: And I really enjoyed um, when Picard updates the Klingons that have come for them and says, so we're we're working on getting them back to you. Um, they are running <laughs> amok. <laughs> and the captain it. says... It is not a disgrace to request our assistance.
1: Uh huh. Hang <laughs> on to her a lot. We, he's kind of proud. He's like, Yeah, my boy's escaped.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want a hand? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Picard's response I think we can handle
1: the situation. <laughs> Just There's like a little point of pride. It's like, uh-huh. We'll be good. We'll be fine. I love that.
0: I also thought it was interesting. I think I remember in the first episode when we visited the warp room for the first time, there was that lift that, that mm. took them to the second floor but Wharf ops for the ladder because technically it's faster
1: <laughs> yes so which is, just means that lift is just fucking pointless yeah i love that i'm also a sucker for the warp core just like
0: yeah shoo, shoo.
1: what a great backdrop for uh, a face-off that's the set design on tng is i think it's the best of any show ever put to television
0: um, I think, uh, you know, we're kind of maybe like the last thing that I would want to point out is the verbiage between the final criminal standing and Worf. I did find the quote that I think was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. He says uh, th- the criminal tells Worf, my words were dust upon the ground. Your blood has no fire. You are weak mm-hmm. like them. I don't care what you look like. You are no Klingon. And yeah. Worf responds, perhaps not,
1: and kills him. I was I like, love fuck. It. That's so good! Yeah! And he's like, I'm comfortable with what I am. It may never be enough for you, but yeah, fuck it. The other one I love in that moment is when he's like, I think the Klingon says something like, I can't believe that you would side with them and not me. And Wolf's just like, believe it. Believe it, dickhead. Like, this is it. <laughs> it's so. It's just, man, It does a, that episode does a great job of telling you the state of affair between the Klingons and the Federation. They're at peace. It could still be fragile, even after all this time. There's factions that aren't happy about it. Tells you about the like core belief of the Klingons. What Worf is battling with, his backstory. It is such an efficient episode yeah. of lore dump of Klingonism. Um, it's so well done. It's even so the
0: very last thing, when the captain that came, the the Klingon captain that came for the criminals, who says, "I want to speak with Worf," and he asks Worf, "How did they die?" Mm. And he says, "They died well." I imagine that this episode also shows that the Federation has a lot to learn about Klingon mentality because someone might be thinking they died well, dude, they killed our people, but still to their culture, that's a way to die well, and yeah. there was a piece Waiting of that for what brought you believe them. In. Yeah. yeah, so it's just a different way of looking at living and to the Klingon race, living is a battle, and so it's just the verbiage about describing how someone goes through day to day is going to be battle And I think that that's something that the audience probably really enjoyed digging into a little bit. I remember my aunt who I've talked about um, all the way back in season one, all the way back, I think in our episode zero as the gateway for how I got into Star Trek, it started with, uh, well, not started with, but my, my aunt Brittany was one of the big Star Trek people in my life. And I remember she loved the Klingons so mm-hmm. much. I think she actually learned to speak Klingon at one yeah. point in time. And she was someone who was a very battle-esque and like in your face and strong and powerful. And so I can kind of see how sometimes in these um, like creative sci-fi fantasy worlds that there's this race that comes out that's really attractive to to people and to give some credence and some backstory and some Uh, you know i don't know depth to the klingon race like you said super smart Mm -hmm. move but definitely a simple episode but i loved it so you ready to get into the sins
1: oh i'm i'm ready to get into some sins i'm so happy you enjoyed it again i'm doing good people this was a good place to start (laughs) okay with that let's head to engineering and smash some glass warning warp core collapse in 10 seconds this is the part of the show where we reengage our sin brains, remind ourselves that no TV shows without sin, even our beloved Star Trek ambassador. Take us out.
0: Mm. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven things I wrote down.
1: <laughs> oh boy, let's go. Uh,
0: and some of them are just fun, like the starter one, which is uh, Picard at the very beginning, looking at uh, number two, saying, "I don't like how this feels," mm-hmm. and Riker's like, "Agreed, smells like a trap." Let's go.
1: And I'm like, or don't. Or don't. My very, my very first note is, <laughs> it's a trap. Let's go anyway. Yeah. Or don't go. Or, or no, That's fine. That is also an option. You could about turn and not render renderate. Right.
0: Creatively, I wonder if you should start at your sins from the top of the episode, or I should start at the top and you should go to their last one. So we like, oh, go in reverse. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. Okay. 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 Um, I don't want to mess you up. So I'll go from the bottom up. Um, So my very final note is that glass platform is such a drama queen, because like the Klingon gets hit, and he hits the deck. Okay, fine. I don't know how dense a Klingon is, but it fucks that glass up so hard, Quick. just so that it can fall through another platform and hit the deck. I'm like, come on, you are a glass platform around a warp core, you gotta be able to take some punishment, and it's just
0: like... (laughs) <laughs> I died. Uh-huh. It's got to be all those spikes on the, on
1: the, uh, Uh uh-huh. you got to get warriors. some smashing glass. Mm-hmm. It's not a real death otherwise.
0: Um, my next one is the moment when the away team beams over to the ship and Riker says, phasers on stun, be ready for anything. Mm. And then they put the phasers back in their pocket. Maybe you don't re them. Maybe you just beam over with them at the ready. Like you've already got yeah. them set to stun. Just beam over where they're already in your hand in case you yep. are in a trap.
1: My favorite thing is when they, and it's all for drama. And when you, when you, when I hear, when I say this, you won't be able to unsee it. Oh, no. They will beam onto a planet or a ship immediately, draw the phaser, draw a tricorder as the first action. And I'm like, you can beam in with that in your hand. Right. That's okay. Uh-huh. It makes no sense to no. beam in and draw other than it looks fucking cool.
0: It does look cool. Yeah. In fact, that's probably one of the standards of how to. Um, shoot scenes like this. It's like yeah. Star Trek standard. All directors have to adhere to. You cannot beam into a situation with a weapon in hand. Probably, quote unquote, for reasons. But for yeah, it, lo- it looks. You cool, got to Doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
1: and you will see it so much now. Um, uh, my next one was. Uh, I was just getting a little bit nitpicky. The the end of the episode when you've got. He the feral Klingon is pointing a phaser at the a disruptor technically at the warp core and I was like beam him away I know we say this a lot but as soon as you took one of the things about the transporter beams is that they they (sighs) deactivate weapons and they capture the weapon in in the middle of the transporter beam now maybe they're uncertain about Klingon reflexes and maybe he can sense that he's being beamed away but. Uh, it just seems
0: like a really good one you know i'll just very quickly hit a couple of mine that are similar like because the idea was that you couldn't get a good clear shot on him and i was like there's nowhere to get a shot on this person who is standing next to the warp core Mm -hmm. my god that's dumb but then also another one that was for beaming was when they have to escort the prisoners out of that room to go to the beaming pad to get them to the transporter room to get them to the Klingon mm. ship. It's like just just teleport them from Tra- the, the prison ba- ba- yeah. room. Yeah.
1: Transporters will always be a scene.
0: So that'll take off a
1: couple of mine.
0: Um mm. my next one is uh oh, the the scene where Picard is watching LaForge <laughs> La and everything LaForge sees, knowing that <laughs> they are <laughs> in a really precarious yes! situation, possibly have gone into a trap. Somebody is possibly dying and then <laughs> And then Jordy even sees that there's gonna be oh, like this breach. They've they've got under five minutes. And Picard is like, hey, can you swing around and show me what you see over there now? Whoa, that's cool, uh-huh. man. Can you swing? So it I was look this your hand.
1: Whoa, how <laughs> fucked up is my hand? It's like yeah. Picard is on shrooms and yeah. he's just like, Look at everything, Woo! look at the colors. Hey yeah, hey it, data fart.
0: It was <laughs> the- <laughs> let's see if we can see the gas coming out of your <laughs> ass.
1: You know Jordy um, can see that.
0: It was a delightful and yet inappropriate juxtaposition of Uh getting to see something in a situation where this should just be on pause. And in the show, Riker calls it out appropriately, like, I hate to be interruptive, so...
1: Riker would be excellent at TV (laughs) Uh scenes. He would be number one at TV scenes. I would do like a smash cut of Picard, like all of the lines where he's like, look left, look over there. What's that? Is that how you see? Uh What's going Uh on? He's like a child in a like- It was Just a fun factory. It's so funny. And it is is insane because they're hanging in the neutral zone. Romulans could come at any point. You don't know what's going on. (laughs) It is like people could be dying on this ship. And Picard is just like, lick the wallpaper Uh (laughs) uh-huh it's great my next one uh i'm still stuck in engineering i'm afraid the warp core should not be this vulnerable it like tasha's just like hey one shot at the warp core and we're in trouble here it's going to destroy the entire ship force fields people don't have it on show (laughs) bury it bury that shit between bulkheads protect it do not let this nuclear fission reactor of warpness be vulnerable To a DIY disruptor that's made out of shoes, like it's nipples, nipples. It just it (laughs) should not be this vulnerable. You're not wrong. Your turn. I'm. I'm good.
0: I think a quick sin for me, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, is when Riker says something about using phasers while they're in the gaseous place, and Data and Geordi are like, "That's a bad idea." It's like, how does Riker not know this? How does he not know
1: that? How information that we could have had yesterday as well.
0: Like just Riker. Ding.
1: Riker. Ding. Riker suggests something dumb. Um, I've got let's just watch the Klingons in the gar in the in the brig with the doors wide open, but not look at them. So why keep the doors open? Can't look just at stand them. Stand guard with the back to them, just let them build a weapon. That's fine.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I had that one written down too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the moment when they realize that the there's a Klingon that's injured and data says I'll carry him and then the klingon says like no I will yeah. and then we cut to their escape i would have a sin a fun sin where it's like show robs us of showing us how <laughs> they managed to get out of that door uh-huh. carrying the, the carrying this the one that isn't like, open klingon all the way it's not open all the way like they have to they really have to like <laughs> jump over like just pushing him through and he just flops it's out just a off wet to noodle. the deck I just imagine they yeah. like they
1: hit his head six times, just like bunk, ow, bunk. I ow, know. I'm alive.
0: <laughs> I'm that's why he died, honestly, is that the injuries yeah, that uh-huh. he continued to sustain as he was ripped through the tiny opening because he refused help. <laughs> yeah,
1: just Gerda's being hit on his head. Like he died of a concussion, but the concussion happened minutes ago. What did you do to him? um i love and this might be an artifact of transporters but when geordie is talking about the whole rupture and how they have five minutes to get out super chillest delivery i've ever heard and maybe it's because transporters just make things super chill all the time because you can always get out but he's just like yeah we've got about five minutes cool let's go and there is no urgency at all for that five minutes until it gets to like 30 seconds
0: then it's urgent yeah yeah
1: then it's urgent
0: um i'm Definitely would sin that the so the away team and the Klingons are being beamed back onto the Enterprise and it fails. They reappear in the ship that is blowing up. And then, of course, we zoom out We see the ship blow up. And then oh, whew, Tasha Yar managed to get them over in the transporter room. And they appear in the same position that they were in when they were casually beaming over And my sin would be there's no fucking way that none of them were screaming for their life, like, falling over, freaking out. They literally saw the ship exploding around them, and they're all standing there super fucking casually, and I just don't believe it for a second.
1: Like No one had their
0: hands up, like, Uh protecting their face or turning around. None of them were afraid. Covering, like, just hovering in a pool on the floor. One of them would absolutely be shitting themselves in that moment, you know?
1: Don't worry, the transporter took care of your shitty pants, Riker. <laughs> That's amazing. I've only got two more. Okay, I have got a convenient child is inconvenient. This is the like they're having the standoff. Yeah, and then the sure. turbo lift just arrives uh-huh. with a child. It's like, here you go, Klingons, yeah. have a hostage.
0: I would That's say in the moment that the, um, the Klingons are getting their tour, I think after they've eaten. And one of the Klingon, the cr- criminal Klingons, it, they're like walking, talking with Worf, essentially.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But Worf isn't leading the way. And my sin is, how the fuck does that Klingon know anywhere yeah. he's, he's walking so confidently.
1: It's actually over here.
0: He's turning at the right p- parts in, in the, like, this is a maze to them. And he's, he's clearly like the actor that knows which director, he direction he's going. Whereas in reality, he's a Klingon that doesn't know where he is on the Enterprise and he's walking confidently just somewhere this happens and a lot when they
1: that. they walk onto ships and they know how to use the panels Instantly. and how the programs work it's like <laughs> yeah. you don't know how this fucking works
0: you don't, know, you don't know shit
1: you're a caveman to this technology that's amazing um i this is one of my favorite ones and it's a universal translator not working when somebody chooses to not use it so when Worf greets the klingon captain um, on the screen and he says something in Klingon and then the Klingon captain replies, How does the universal translator know not to translate that part? Universal yeah. translators that work based on intent. They they're psychic. Anything else? I have one last one.
0: I have one last one too and it's one that I've done many, many times and it has to do with the uh the communication mm. badge. Yeah. Um at one point Toshi Toshiar says, Toshi Yar to Captain Picard, you know, and mm-hmm. and then tells captain picard that there's a situation and then like in the next scene she just taps it and she's like captain he has a gun pointed at the thingy and it's like okay so can we just be consistent do you have to say your name going to someone or was that just Uh you wanted to flex to those klingons that you're tashi are well and
1: you can also just say computer like you don't need to tap the com badge when you're on the ship it's tasha was the only one that was continually using her badge um yeah it's funny uh, oh, and then, and Riker, when he gets beamed in, goes over to the transporter panel, presses a button there, and then says, hey, Riker, to the bridge. I was like, you're not using the computer or you'll come bad, you dick. Um, my very last one is, hey, remember when Deanna was in this show? <laughs>
0: oh, She's no. not in this episode. She's not even in this episode. All. Oh, my she's God. All... How did I not notice? Oh, uh-huh, shit.
1: she's at home washing her tights. Amazing. So good.
0: Um, Yeah, that's it for me.
1: Amazing. I'm glad you loved that episode. It's a great I introduction did. to Worf. Um Next week, should we do another Wolf one? Should we do it?
0: Oh, well, you know, we did have a like a data focused season in the in between seasons last time. I don't mind. I'd actually really like to see a DS9 uh, episode. Okay. Um, we haven't really done that on the show yet. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of fun to branch out a little bit Um, from what I'm used to watching on Captain's Pod.
1: Let's do it then. Let's do an episode of DS Nine. Um, hit us up on Twitter. Send us an email, uh, CaptainsPod uh, at cinemasins.com, which Deep Space Nine Worf episode you would like us to cover, and yeah, we'll do that. Let's 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 head to Deep Space Nine next week. I'm excited for that. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. You're all the best. Um, we will see you next week. We will have a live show next week, Friday at twelve thirty. Uh, p m c t we would love to see you on twitch or the youtube lives um but until then i'm ian and uh, from me are you trying to
0: like is that because i'm dead
1: i am um, like like i'm wasn't... dead
0: you've peeled my eyes open and you're screaming because well, that's
1: shit. Fu- yeah now it looks like I... that doesn't it
0: well guess what too bad, I've locked my door, so you <laughs> can't get in.
1: Well, now I'm just screaming like a madman. They're going to be waiting for somebody to turn up and just be like, dude, <laughs> there's no one coming.
0: All right, well, we'll just focus on my quote, which is, open your eyes and let the dream take flight.
1: Nice. Live long in Potspur. Thanks for listening. Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through Captain's Pod at cinemasins.com like comment and subscribe on your podcast player of choice and be sure to visit cinemasins.com
0: do you know how strange it is to watch your dogs go through the house go into the kitchen come mm-hmm. back out of the kitchen with things they shouldn't have knowing that they've gotten into the trash somehow Mm -hmm. Then watching them carry it through the house, into the bedroom, all on security cameras, completely unable to do anything other than click on the little icon that says you can talk through the microphone of your camera. Mm. And I'm in a room, not in my house, screaming, no, bad dog, no, put it down, release, (laughs) let it go, no, no. It's so naughty. Nothing I can do except for just yell at them. And do you think
1: they they literally waited until you left
0: to pull this shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <sighs> they know that's naughty. They know they're not supposed to go into the kitchen, go through the bin and be dicked. But they but the do it. the trash calls so... to them.
0: It calls to them. It calls to the very instinct of survival.
1: It does. That's just like, be damned with the consequences. I will, I will eat this rotting food or this bit of plastic. It is completely worth it.
0: Well, and I don't know what it was. All I know is that it was light in color. And on Mm -hmm. one of the dog's passes, it almost all fit into his mouth because I could see him carrying it through the living room and it was sticking out of his mouth like it almost looked like an oversized hot dog bun or not a hot dog bun, a burger bun but okay. not the brown, like the darker side, like the bread the side, the, okay. the white kind of side, because it was sticking out circularly from his... And I'm thinking, what was in the trash? I have no idea. Is it Was it plastic? Was it edible? So when I got home, I thought You'll maybe I'd find, find some evidence, but no, I didn't find any evidence.
1: No evidence at all. It's, whatever it is, it's inside that dog.
0: Yes. Now I'm on puke Don't watch.
1: Hey, you remember the end of the Picard finale and he speaks Shakespeare? And mm-hmm. the live chat was like, hey, Danae, do a podcast about, like, interpreting Shakespeare and what you think the meaning is. Well, we have a new segment for the outtakes, which is Danae works out what Picard was trying to say with a Shakespeare quote. Here we go. Are you ready?
0: Oh, my God. What are you, like, completely springing on me right now?
1: Here's the quote from Picard. Sorry, this, this is from TNG. What a piece of work is man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form, in moving, how express and admirable in action, how like an angel in apprehension, how like a god. What does that mean? What was Picard saying?
0: Picard said this? Are you sure it wasn't Picard. Q? Oh.
1: Interesting, but no, Picard said this.
0: Hmm. Okay, I think he said it to Q. However,
1: he is talking to Q. Well done.
0: That's really interesting. Because Q mm. deals a lot with like humanity. And so here Picard is like trying to just describe this humanity situation.
1: Uh huh. So, Good. That's awesome.
0: I think that's pretty much all I need to talk about to show how really amazing I am at this new segment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. He is talking to Q, and that's from Hamlet. And Hamlet is being ironic and saying that humanity's humans are actually dumbasses. Um and Picard is is using it sincerely to prove to Q that humans are great. There's Shakespeare Corner with Ian and Danae.
0: I don't know know that I like that Picard is calling us how like a god we are. I think that's a little tricky.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit exaggerated because that's Q's response. He's like, you jackass, can you hear yourself right now? You (laughs) sound like a dick. And he's like, we're not there yet, but I think we're more like that than what you think we are, Q, which is dick. Jacks. Captain's Pod, Stardate 805523.3. I say that more strangely every week. Welcome aboard the Starships Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief shore leave from the world of cinema sins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I'm your Captain Ian Whittington, and a dog just jumped onto the sofa beside <laughs> me and started licking me, and I didn't <laughs> know there was even a dog in this room. <laughs>
0: It's going to be a good show. Yeah, th- this is a different kind of show. Not only are we not doing a live show on today's uh-huh. recording, but we're actually at my house, which uh-huh. you guys usually hear my voice from my house anyway. That's my, my my own studio. But due to conflict in recording schedules, Ian had nowhere to record his part of the studio yep. recording today. So he's at my house also live mm-hmm. from another room where, surprise, mm-hmm. my dogs
1: are as well. <laughs> surprise? Can you take a screenshot? <laughs> Captain's pod. Start eight.
0: One, two. <laughs> you can't even start the fucking show. There's
1: coffee just in my throat right now that said, hello. <laughs> Try it again.
2: Oh, take Oh my three.
1: god. Da 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 da
2: blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah.